Welcome to the Legal Download Podcast, a rundown of the latest issues impacting your business from Kelly Dry. You are listening to part two of a two-part podcast called Driving While Unimpaired, discussing a recent opinion by Judge Mary Walrath in the Hertz Chapter 11 case regarding the treatment of unimpaired creditors in bankruptcy. Part one focused on the claims of holders of unsecured bonds for payment of a make-hold premium. In this part two, Ben Fader and Kristen Elliott consider Judge Walrath's analysis regarding the appropriate rate of interest payable on the bonds. So that was uh, that, that is a high-level summary, I think, of of, 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 the, of how she disposed of the, of the note holders' claims for the payment of the make-hold premium. The other significant issue was whether they were entitled to post-petition interest, in other words, interest that accrued following the, the commencement of the bankruptcy case at the contract rate under the indentures, which I which I believe was around probably five, six, seven percent, uh, or the federal judgment rate, which I believe is barely one percent. So again, a significant difference when you're talking about two point seven billion uh, in uh, in overall principle. So uh, would you like to? What was the first argument that um, the bondholders made as to why they were entitled to post-petition interest at the full contract rate? Well, the, well, the first argument is that, I don't know if this is the first argument, but in, 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 in broad strokes, the bondholders pointed to a feature in bankruptcy, which is the quote-unquote solvent debtor feature, which says that if a debtor is solvent, um, its, credit, its unsecured creditors are entitled to receive interest on account of their claims. And here in Hertz, it's important to remember that Hertz's bankruptcy plan treated these creditors as quote unquote unimpaired. And to be unimpaired, the, the note holders argued that they were entitled to receive the entire benefit uh, of their bargain under their contract, their indenture or their notes. And under their indenture and their notes, they were in, they have a contract rate of interest, and so they argued that there were they should receive that contract rate of interest in order to be unimpaired in the bankruptcy. Judge Walrath, however, did not agree with that uh, with that argument because uh, Hertz was pointing to um, a case that had been decided several years earlier in the Third Circuit that said. Unimpair, impairment under the bankruptcy code means impairment by the plan itself. In other words, if the plan had said we are going to pay less than the full contract rate, uh, then that would then that would have been impairment, and uh, Judge Rollrath probably would have agreed with with the note holders. But Hertz was pointing to a separate provision of the bankruptcy code. And under the Third Circuit precedent uh, that, that Hertz cited to, if it is the bankruptcy code itself as a matter of law that is limiting the claim, that is not deemed impairment under a plan. Again, a very subtle distinction, but uh, a clear distinction, at least in the Third Circuit. And uh, Judge Walrath did not see any basis to distinguish uh, the Hertz, you know, the, the argument being made in Hertz from uh, the earlier Third Circuit decision. So the note holders uh, lost on that particular argument. Um, 
You want to talk about talk a little more though about the solvent debtor exception and what that and what that means and and the extent to which Judge Walrath agreed that they were entitled to some interest. Sure. So the the solvent debtor exception, you know, in general means that if a debtor is solvent, in other words, a debtor has enough is coming out of bankruptcy with enough value to pay all of its creditors in full before any money or value should flow to shareholders or equity holders creditors should be entitled to post-petition interest on account of their claims, uh, interest on their claims during the pendency of the bankruptcy case. What was interesting here is that the provisions of the bankruptcy code that implement this principle speak to impaired claims, not unimpaired claims. Um, but Judge Rallrath, um, and, and uh, I should say, within the context of impaired claims, the case, there's case law that says the operation of the solvent debtor exception imposes interest, you know, provides an interest rate at the legal rate. In other words, the federal judgment rate, which is typically very low uh, and far below any market or contract rate of interest. Um, here, because there was an absence in the statute, the statute didn't speak to whether the rate of interest that applied to unimpaired creditors who are supposed to get their full contract benefit um, the, the court wasn't moved by the contract, but by the fact that these folks were unimpaired and had a contract rate, they read in, um, the judgment rate, uh, to the, through the solvent debtor exception, uh, even with respect to the unimpaired claims. But once again, through a very technical kind of law school type example of statutory synthesis and construction, you know, to, to, to deliver that result. In, in a nutshell, at, at the end of the day, Judge Walrath took the analysis that applied for an impaired creditor of a solvent debtor and said, even though the statute doesn't uh, speak to the treatment of an unimpaired creditor, she said Congress could, you know, she determined that Congress could not have intended for unimpaired creditors to be treated worse than impaired creditors. That would be, you know, you know, fairly anomalous, uh, to say, you know, to say the least. Uh, so she held, she held that the best way to uh, harmonize the statutes and the treatment between unimpaired and impaired creditors was to treat unimpaired creditors the same way under the solvent debtor exception, uh, which in her view, required payment of accrued and unpaid interest at, unfortunately for the bondholders, at the federal judgment rate uh, rather than the contract rate. So they got something, but a lot less than they were than they were seeking. So the upshot at, at the at the end of the day uh, of the Hearst decision was they lost on two of the two of the series two of the four series of bonds lost out on the. Um, make whole premium because Judge Walrath deemed that they were paid subsequent to maturity. And on the, the other two series, she said the bondholders could present evidence to try and establish that the make whole premium was a permissible liquidated damages provision and not unpermissible unmatured interest. Uh, with respect to the interest that had accrued uh, post-petition up till the time of plan confirmation, you know, as we've just discussed, she held that they were entitled to interest not at the contract rate, but at the much lower federal judgment rate. So I think it's, as we said earlier, 
more solvent debtor cases like this can be expected as we move into the next wave, given value fluctuations stemming from the pandemic disruption, uh, the rapid recovery and ongoing volatility and uncertainty due to numerous uh, exogenous events that are taking place in the world. And we think that Judge Walrath's uh, detailed analysis in Hertz of the indenture language and the applicable bankruptcy code provisions uh, are going to significantly inform the calculations of debtors and bondholders in such cases as they uh, sit down to negotiate plans, uh, restructuring support agreements, and uh, make the determination that parties have to make in all cases whether to settle or to uh, fight. And even for debtors, you know, potentially determining where where they may seek uh, to file. That's that, that that that's correct because we we now have clear guidance as to how we we can expect courts to rule in Delaware, and there is and we, as we mentioned earlier, there is some contrary case law precedents in the Second Circuit and in the Southern District of Texas. So that will also be a consideration for. Uh, debtors and their advisors as we move forward. You've been listening to part two of Driving While Unimpaired. Anyone interested in more information regarding bondholders' rights to payment of a make-hold premium may contact Ben at bfader at kellydry.com. That's B-F-E-D-E-R at kellydry.com or Kristen at kelliot at kellydry.com. That's K-E-L-L-I-O-T-T at kellydry.com. Thank you for listening.